Hi, I'm Kathy Rushing, host of the podcast Committed, The Entrepreneur Marriage. If your middle name is Restless and you identify with words like innovator, dreamer, change maker, creative, independent, or you are married to an entrepreneur, or heaven help you, you're both entrepreneurs, this podcast is for you. The entrepreneurial journey can be a little wild at times, like uncharted territory. Join me as I talk with others who are at various stages of the entrepreneur process. We'll explore the wisdom and insights they have gained while navigating the ups and downs of the entrepreneur journey. You'll discover that there are many couples who have found ways to thrive in both their business and marriage. Every once in a while, social media provides something more than a way to fill empty time or entertain ourselves with endless puppy pictures. I'm looking at you, sweetie. Sometimes it provides connection to people you might never have met otherwise. I first met O.L. and Sway Buckley on Instagram. And after following them for a while, I saw how much great information they have for entrepreneur marriages and wanted to introduce them to you also. Go follow them and you might even learn some smooth dance moves. You'll see what I mean if you see their Instagram feed. OL is a former internationally award-winning banker turned entrepreneur. He is the co-founder of R.O. Strong real estate and financial education firm, as well as the CEO of O.L. Buckley Consulting. Sway is the CEO of a creative arts staffing firm, as well as the founder of Smart Artist Institute Consulting. Together, O.L. and Sway co-created MarriedPreneurLife.com and co-host the Marriedpreneur Life podcast, where they help mission-minded marriedpreneurs create momentum in life and business. That's from their website, and it's a bit of a tongue twister. Listen for the different types of entrepreneur marriages they have identified, what empathic communication can look like, how they define success, and advice they would give to couples getting started on the entrepreneur path. Hey everyone, I am joined today by O.L. and Sway Buckley, and it is my great honor to have them today. How are you guys? We're wonderful. How are you? Very well. Glad to be here. How are you? (laughs) Good. I am doing well. Thank you. And third time's a charm. We've had to reschedule a time or two. And I just thank you guys for hanging in there with me. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about where you guys are. I follow you on Instagram and I can't quite figure out where you are. <laughs> we are in New Jersey, north, northern, the northern part of New Jersey, um, right outside okay. of New York City. Yep. Literally on the other side right. of Hudson. Yeah. Yes. So okay. So did you move somewhere this year? Because I, I remember a story about getting a bunch of stuff out of storage and. So yeah. So a few years back, we moved from Texas mm-hmm. after having been there about nineteen years. Mm-hmm. And then those things were sent. <laughs> you just left it. Oh there. yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> So she's like, okay. You want to hear about the prompt? No, that was the whole point of the prompt. That was a prompt, right? So you can know what happened. Like, how do we, what was that you were seeing is what the question was about. I get it. And so that time when we moved from Texas, uh, the things that we left there were left in moving pods. And so uh, recently, I guess that was last year, we have my family, specifically my mom's side, we have property down in, um, in South Carolina. And so instead of leaving our things in the pods, now that she has, she put a house on the land. And so we just brought our things to the other property in South Carolina. So that's what you were seeing. Gotcha. I have been wondering. Okay. Yeah. Mystery solved. 
<laughs> yes, well, I want to start off with a couple of fun ways just to let people get to know you a little bit. Okay. Uh, if your marriage was a team sport, what would it be? It's a great question. Yeah, that is a great question. I feel like it would be two different ones. On one hand, I feel like we are bobsledding. Really? We're bobsledding and I'm married. Sometimes, sometimes <laughs> I'm out pushing and she's uh, what am I doing? Uh, 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 steering sort of the nose. And sometimes I'm steering the nose and she's pushing. <laughs> um, it just depends. But then I also think it's probably a little bit of curling. or Is, is that the word curling? Oh, that's funny. Who plays curling, right? We all watch it in the Olympics. But it's like, what is this? I don't even know. Yeah. The things you learn about your marriage on a podcast interview, I tell you. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I would say something like basketball, maybe. Just the different roles. I mean, we'll, we'll play different roles and in, in, in each of us will we'll do. See, I probably shouldn't say basketball because I don't even know all the different players. But... <laughs> But I know the goal is to get the ball inside of the basket. And so we are (laughs) (laughs) throwing the ball back and forth, rebounding and and doing, what do you call them? Scoring, dunking. Dunking, dunking. There you go. (laughs) Dunking. There you go. Focusing on. Uh, And just so you know, I think dancing is a sport. Yes, it is. Absolutely. It is. It absolutely is. A lot of coordination involved there for sure. Yeah. For those of you listening, you just have to follow Marriedpreneur Life on Instagram because they post the most adorable posts and they are the best dancers ever, ever. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm wanting OL to give my husband some lessons. So there you go. No pressure. Right. No pressure, right? No pressure. What is the craziest or most fun thing you guys have ever done on a date so far? The craziest or most fun thing we've done on a date so far. I don't know if we have the same answers. I would say this is crazy. This is before we got married crazy. And I mean, it was crazy if we were married too. But young and naive, when we first met, not first, first, but pretty new, he was taking me to different... I know what you're going to say. <laughs> he was... Well, I don't know. He was taking me to different places. I was new to Texas, went there for college, for undergrad. And so he was just like showing me the vision for what he saw for our life. Like, I want to sh- I want to take her to this exclusive neighborhood um, with these houses, these huge homes who were, you know, just being, you know, built. And some of they them... They were model homes. Model homes. So, you know, some are completed, some aren't. And so it was in a very, um, it was a, you know, gated community. And so we drove this, I don't know, like the area and I'm just like looking like, oh, these are nice. So I'm not really thinking anything other than, okay, this is cool. But then he's like, let me show you something. So we, he parks the car, we get out the, the car and it's dark outside. So it's nighttime. It's dark. And yeah. so, <laughs> yeah. And so let me, let me say this, it's, after business hours. Correct. That's a, that's that's an important part. So let's go. And he takes me okay. inside these houses. So we ended up trespassing um, <laughs> on a date. And, going, and I'm not really thinking, but I felt like, I don't know if we should be, like, this is not our house. Like, this is. And of I course, I'm like, playing the just, just trust just me. Just trust game. me. And I'm just like, okay. I do but, this all the time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. And so, you know, after the fact, hindsight, I was, you know, we talked about, I think you told your mom. And then she was like, you guys should have never, what are you doing? The cops could come and you could be the monitor. So illegal, you're trespassing. And I was like, I didn't even know, you know, so that was kind of crazy. And I look back on it just as a date. I mean, young and naive and trying to show me, take me, give me the world. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good one. I would say it would have happened during our, it was on our honeymoon. We were in Mexico and we were, she wanted to sort of go off the resort and sort of just make our way into town. To be with the people, you and know. And so we, there's a there's a cargo van. I don't I don't know how we got this cargo van. There's a cargo van, you know, one of the ones with no windows. No, you and, have to back up at the airport when we were leaving. When we were arriving, we were leaving the airport. They have all these different people there. That oh, you know how they bombard you for like the sit in on the session, hear the presentation, um, and then what do you, you call it? 
like timeshare. Time yeah. And so I, I oh, signed yeah. it. Okay. I was like, oh, let's just do it. It doesn't, we don't live here. We're not going to buy anything right now. We're just barely. Because they were offering, I think, a massage. Yeah, something. that's what it was, a massage and, and a meal. <laughs> and so <laughs> we were like, okay, we'll do it. You know, we didn't, we were so young and naive. <laughs> we were like, okay, that's all right, fun. <laughs> and so that's when we went yeah. downstairs and they picked us up in a unmarked. In a, in a in a industrial cargo industrial van, cargo. and yeah. so we go. They couldn't come onto the property. That should have been red flag number one. They weren't allowed. And they said, we have to come off the property onto the street. So I didn't know up from down at this point. So we go off the property onto the street. We get into the this cargo van. There's like two other guys in there, and then I realized the oh, windows are black. I realized I forgot oh, something. My- and I need to go back to the room he to said, get it. You had to bring the paper that he gave us at the yeah, airport. Yeah, the paper. Said, Do you have the paper? And so the guy says, oh. Um, you said, you okay, can, I'll be back. back. That's what you said. The guy says, oh, you can leave your wife. He, no, no, no. he said, she can stay and you can, and we'll be here when you get back. And so <laughs> simultaneously, <laughs> as he's saying this, we're looking at each other. And she's like, you better not you leave me. Not leave me. <laughs> so, we had married less than 24 hours. Than 24 hours. <laughs> so here's what's so funny. If you ever seen those, um, like those uh, uh, videos of people skydiving, and like two people do it together, and they'll hold hands, oh, and yeah. jump simultaneously. We held hands and jumped out of the van simultaneously. Yeah, that was crazy. crazy yeah. honeymoon. <laughs> but you know, they were there. We, we did come back, and they they were still waiting there. And it was actually a great trip. Like they fed us well. That we went oh, to yeah, the presentation. But we just told the lady, we're like, we just got married yesterday, so we're not going to buy property. How would we buy extra property if we haven't even purchased our first home together? So she's like, okay, well, I'm just going to let you all go. But just next time, make sure you let people know that you're not. I'm like, okay. He didn't ask all that. I would have told him. But um, right. he didn't care anyway. Yeah. He just wanted to have us come. So they we did a full day of massages. and Oh, it was the, wonderful. Walk, it ended up being beach. in a commercial. It ended up being in a commercial like yeah. for the resort. It was great. Great. They said, food. hey, can, can, can we film you guys and put and, and put you yeah. guys in our... I was okay. like, sure. They gave us extra food. Let us stay longer. Yeah, that's, you didn't ask oh, about that. But, but our crazy dates involved a little bit of danger. Yeah. I had a feeling. That's why I asked that question. I, I haven't asked that. I don't think of anybody else yet, but I had a feeling that you guys were kind of there on the edge. And, and oh, well, I'm just glad that that wasn't one of the times that you left her there and said, just trust me. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know a little bit enough about where we were to understand. And that, I would not yeah. that there. No, 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 no. Smart man. Smart man. What is a book or a person that has affirmed or influenced the person you are today? Mm, yes. So many ways to answer that. Go ahead. Um, I know. I would say there's a lot of ways to answer that for me as well, too. But one of the recent books, I've read it. I've read some of his books years ago, but then as a recent revisiting um, John Maxwell's books and reading about just the importance of how when you talk about leadership, but just how you treat people and that being a big part of, of the process of being a good leader, like really, really caring for people in order for you to, to have uh, make deposits and then make withdrawals in that relationship. So definitely John Maxwell is up there for me. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's, I'm trying to pick, right. Um, Cause I've been sort of shaped mm-hmm. by, by several books. But if I had to choose one, well, I'm going to go with you. Looking at you, and you've got your, you know, books just lying the wall behind <laughs> you. So I'm sure it's hard to pick one. There, yeah. there is one that I've read most recently, and um, it's called Gentle and Lowly, mm-hmm. and uh, it's by uh, author Dane Ortland. And it's um, when Christ said, you know, um, that I am gentle and lowly. And so it's really dealing with meekness and really just 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 growing in and maturing in the love of God. And it's been a it's been a great book. Very good. I'll try to hunt down those titles and put those mm-hmm. in the show notes. So I want to hear a little bit about y'all's backstory before we get to what you're doing today. But I picked up through just, you know, following you guys on Instagram that you dated a very long time. We did. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about how you met and what 
what that long courtship was about. Yeah, well, we met at church, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a janitor for the church, at the church, and I did <laughs> not know, I don't even, he says I, rem- I walked on his wet floors. I don't even remember doing that. But <laughs> long- she ignored the yellow caution with floor signs. So. I didn't ignore it. I just had to get up the stairs and the floor was wet in front of the stairs. So I still had to get to my <laughs> I ignored it. it just, I had to get up the stairs, you know, so. I had you know, mop the floor? Somebody just. <laughs> So somebody just sashayed across it. Would you act like I could have gone around it to get up the stairs? Like the floor was wet. So, and then I asked him a question. Um, so I was actually having a pastoral meeting and to see if the pastor, because the pastor's office was up the stairs. And so I just asked him if, you know, if the pastor was in and I, he told me yes. And I went up the stairs. I didn't think anything of it. So, and this was on a Monday. And so most churches don't have a lot of people there on Mondays, at least not Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So I, based on what I knew, um, I knew that pretty much any car in the parking lot that was not mine or a few of the staff members had to have been hers. So mm-hmm. I went out and that's when I saw a little red Toyota and I said, note taken. She drives a red Toyota. <laughs> it was, um, I guess you would call it, what do you call it? You were tracking me after that? Yeah. So like, if you ask her, she would say it's stalking. Yes, if you stalking. ask me, I would say it's gathering intel. <laughs> gathering intel. Woo. So, so, so how long did you gather intel before you <laughs> asked her out? I don't even know how long it was because I don't remember him. I don't remember. I remember the pastor's meet, like meeting with that pastor because he was new at that time. And I was um, working on doing some things with the youth. So that's why I remember that meeting. But he said that's when he was there. So I vaguely remember somebody being there. So I don't even like know time-wise how long it took for him to approach me. But I will tell you this. Mm -hmm. When he did approach me, it took a year for him to get my number. And it was just a lot of different things. Like we just hadn't seen each other a lot. Or, you know, when we did see each other, it was a huge church. So by the times we would run into each other over that year, that I finally, when he asked me again about it, I gave it to him. And then, so that everything went really slow in that regard. I just wanted to make sure he wasn't some crazy guy. Um, so <laughs> I'm like, if he can be this patient, okay. And I actually spoke with my father too. And I asked him, I said, this guy asked me for my number. And he said, well, watch him, you know, watch him for a while. And I was like, I watched him for a few months. And he was like, well, what do you think? And I was like, he seems okay. He said, like, okay, well, give him your numbers. I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. Okay, so and that was really like my green light just to do that next step. But um, yeah, so I think it was a, that first year, and then the remaining nine years <laughs> after that. You know, it's so funny. Um, just before, I don't, I don't know how long it was prior to us getting married or prior to me proposing, but I just <laughs> we we laugh about it today. Her. Her mom used to say, hey, what's going on with that Otis guy? He's he just keeps hanging around. around. <laughs> it sound like I'm just, you know, like a stray no, cat. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been hanging around for like nine years. That's what I'm doing. He's so. Hanging around. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Are you still here? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I think we were just really young. And so I think that plays a big part of it. For sure. I was like 19 when we met. So and I was fresh out of high school. Well, 18, 19, going into my sophomore year of college. So, you know, it was just like we weren't I don't think we weren't mature at that point, you know, enough to have a sustainable marriage that would be sustained like (laughs) by but by our our choosing. So um, I think that was it was just the timing of it. And then I went off to explore more of the world. I mean, my background is in dance. So I came out to New York to do some dancing and just live life, you know, Um, as a single person. We were still in a relationship just at a long distance, but it was just still like we're just going to be there was nothing for me to wait around for. I'm like, I'm not going to put my life on hold. I'm just going to keep living and and we'll see where this goes. And yeah. And so, yeah. And I was, I was in the music industry and sort of pursuing that life and that's all consuming. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, between that and just sort of me hanging around, I love it. Well, and that, you know, that demonstrates some wisdom really, mm-hmm. because 
I mean, we were 21 and 22 and we didn't wait around. <laughs> we just said, well, let's go. You know, <laughs> So yeah, uh, that to me shows some wisdom in your relationship. Mm-hmm. So you guys have been married how long at this point? 11 years now. 11 years. Okay. Wonderful. Perfect years, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been good. Absolutely. It, it has been good. So you add it all up. I think we've known each other 20 years. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, tell us also a little bit about your backgrounds. I've read up a little bit and you guys kind of came from different directions and gradually merged as entrepreneurs. So I'd like to hear a little bit about how you got to where you are today. So whoever wants to start, tell us how you, you know, kind of your work background and did you know you were an entrepreneur? Yeah, well, for me, I started my first business at the age of 16. It was a tutoring company. I did not even know I was starting a company. I didn't know what I was doing, but um, the opportunity presented itself to tutor kids. And it started with some of my cousins who came to live with uh, my family. And one of my youngest, the youngest cousin, it was three of them who came, the youngest one, she was five. And she was not reading. And it bothered me. And at the, you know, 16, you don't know what your gifts are. You don't know that you're a teacher. And so... I just took some cards, index cards, and I started making, you know, little words for her alphabet. And by the end of the week, she was reading from a book. And my mom was like, that is not After a week. Like, yeah, she was like, that's, that's, that's something special. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, I'm just a kid. I'm like, I just knew she needed help. And I want my cousin to be able to read. And she's five. She should be reading. Like, that's just what I thought. And so the next thing I know, my mom told one of her girlfriends about it who had a son. Um, around the same age who was having issues reading as well. And so that was my first client. And that's, it just grew from there. Well, from there, when I went off to college, I continued tutoring, but it was more so like autistic children and happened to be all boys. And so I did a lot. And as a dance major, I did a lot of fine and gross motor skills with them, but also phonetics and just basic things with them. I enjoy working with kids. And so I did that. And then my sophomore year in high in college, I started, I didn't even know what it was, but I come to find out later that it was a staffing firm. <laughs> so the staffing company huh. I started um, were the school districts, partnered with the school districts as my clients. And as a dance major, they wanted uh, me to initially to come and teach. And of course, I was trying to pay for college. And so I said, well, sure. And I could only teach but so much because I was a full-time student dance major, double minor in business and religion. And so I started teaching and then they asked for more. Now, mind you, I'd never taught before. I just was like, okay, you're giving me an opportunity to make some money. That's all I hear. So I'm going to figure it out and I've worked with enough kids. I can figure it out. It can't be that hard. And so that's really what I did as a started that as a freshman, end of my freshman year. And then they asked for me to do more hours. And so I was like, I can't, but I didn't want to say no, because I'm like, this is helping me pay for tuition. And, and so I said, well, can I, can I bring on people? Like, can I be the in between and I can refer and bring people under me is what I was thinking. They said, sure, we just need people. And so I started hiring my friends, you know, I said, Hey, you want to make some money when I get paid, I'll pay you a portion of this. So I was able to make money off of them working and more and more people, they started hiring, like needing more and more people, not just dancers, but, um, you know, thespians and visual artists and musicians. And I'm like, I'll find them. I will find them. And so I was like, I'll just go to the art department here at school. I'm sure there's some kids who want a job. And so that's how I started. And that literally <clears throat> paid my way through. I mean, it's a very um, expensive process, but actually it, I mean, I say expensive, like it, it, it really started um, bringing in revenue quickly, but it also opened doors for other scholarships. I ended up getting a education scholarship, a business scholarship, because I had the business. And then I did the religion when I was answering phones initially and being in the religion department, um, I was able to hear about different scholarship opportunities because it was, you know, I was out of state, mm-hmm. it was a private institution. So it's like all these fees on top of everything. And then I was an RA. So I was just finding ways to pay for school. And so I'm thinking this is just another way. So for the religion department, I find out that there's a scholarship. If you're if you minor in religion, they'll pay half your tuition. I was like, what do I need to do to minor? Just what do I need to do? <laughs> sign me up. They're like, yeah, three <laughs> classes. Oh, three extra classes. Sign me up. Okay, I'm a religion minor. There, that's it. You're paying off. You know, have my tuition. And then for business, I was getting scholarships. You know, because now I had this business, so 
Bank of America was giving money, all these different donors. I was just, you know, applying for app, you know, for, for, for money. Cause I'm like, I need to figure it out. Um, and then the education department, because I had my business once again, working with school districts, them as my partners, as my clients, and none of the education majors were going after the scholarship during this time, but I, you know, was pretty persistent with going after it. And so because of the company that I was running, the education department granted me like a full ride, even on top of the money, you know, they paid for everything. So and there was some retroactive. Yeah, they yeah, they were like, whatever. You oh, want. wow. Yeah. So I thank God for that business. I still <laughs> run it today. It literally was the open door to get everything, you know, pay for my tuition. And so after that, I said, well, I'm just going to keep this job because this is and then, you know, it really quickly it brought on started earning, you know, multiple six figures at very early in on just hiring people. And um, I just felt like this is an opportunity to have a revenue stream and still, you know, dance, do what I love to do. So that's how that was the beginnings of my entrepreneurial journey. And did you call yourself an entrepreneur at that point? Or were you, Um, it sounds like you were just like, I need money. This is an opportunity. You didn't overthink it. No, I didn't overthink it at all. I knew I wanted to do business, which is why I minored in business from Jump Street. Okay. But I just didn't know what that was going to look like. And I, I just didn't know. I knew it was a business. I just didn't know. I didn't even know what to call it. I'm like, I don't even know what this is that I'm doing, but it's paying the bills. <laughs> like, you know, and so without, in, yeah. initially a couple of years into it, I think maybe my junior year, I started thinking, well, is this a, is it a staffing firm? Like, what is this that I'm doing? I didn't even know, <laughs> like, what it is. Like, you know, I just didn't know. Um and so I said, well, I think it's a staffing firm. And then I said, well, I think, but it's not a staffing. I was I would think like corporate America, you know, staffing in that regard. But I was like, this is not bad. This is something different. I don't even know. I've never seen this, what I'm doing. So I'm just going to keep doing it and figure out what to call it. So when people would ask me what I did, I just said, I'm a dancer. Because I didn't know how to explain what I did. I was just like, oh, I dance or I teach dance. But I never explained, oh, I run a creative arts staffing firm. So about, you know, a couple of years into it, I said, I think this is like a creative arts staffing firm. Like at first I was like, is it dance staffing? And I was like, well, it's creative arts. But then it turned into me hiring like coders and all these other types of people that did great things for the kids as well, too. So I just call it a creative arts staffing firm to this day. That's what it's called. <laughs> that's my story. And, and story. you're still running that Right. Yeah, I write it. It just ebbs and flows. I don't I've never done like well, I'm not gonna say never. When I graduated, that's when I started doing marketing, like grassroots marketing, knocking on doors, boys and girls clubs, because I moved from that area to another city and I'm like, I have to start over. But I was like, I know what to do. I've been doing it. And then I got other contracts with some pretty, pretty well funded organizations. And I started from this, you know, beginning with me teaching and then I just started bringing on people again and rebuilt it. And but that's the marketing that I've, I haven't done anything else in, in that sense. So I say that to say, so when opportunities come nowadays, I'm just a pretty well-oiled machine. And I, that's, you know, what I do in the background. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. And did you have a mentor sway that maybe you didn't even consider them a mentor at the time, but somebody in your family or a family friend or someone that also had their own business that even gave you the idea that you could do this? Or was this just an internal, I can do this? Definitely an internal. I had a freak accident the third day of, of college and where I was sewing a ballet shoe and I jumped off the bed and the needle broke off inside of my foot. And they thought they were going to have to uh-uh. it. And so Long story oh short, my to all these doctors, my foot is swelling up like a couple of weeks into it because nobody would touch it because the main doctor in the neighborhood said, don't leave, like, leave it in for six months and or six weeks rather, and then come back. And anyway, um, so by the time I finally found his counterpart is equal, they were like, yeah, this needs to come out right away. So I was on crutches that first full semester. Um, and that's when and I still had to go to my dance classes and watch them dance and journal and stuff. So I just it just brought me to my knees, really. Um, I, I said, bet. okay, God, well, what is it that you have for me to do? I know this is something that's in my heart, um, but also I need to know like what those gifts are that are in my hands. Um, so beyond. I could beyond the dancing. So, mm-hmm. you know, I can have other revenue streams. And even when I get out into the real world, I didn't want to be in a situation where I had to dance or I had to go take a job, a dance job that I didn't want to do to eat, you know? And so the opportunity came when, when I got off my crutches, I had an op- somebody, you know, realized I was a dance major and 
offered, they said they had a friend who's doing some work with the local school district and they wanted to know if I'd be interested in teaching. Like that's how it happened. And so, yeah, when it came to mentoring, that was later on, I would say, as I started investing in coaching, that was very intentional. It still is very intentional. But as far as how it started, it was just like very an internal type of thing, just kind of finding my way as I was going. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. And let's hear your story, O.L. Yours is a little more uh, varied, shall we say. I've done some reading and it's fascinating. So, yeah. So, by the way, I love hearing Sway's story every time I hear it because it just reminds me. Um, just Because you were there. Because I was crazy. there. Yeah, yeah. We've been just amazing. through all that. So um, just to see her growth and just over the time. But yeah, so, you know, for many years, I wanted to do music um, pretty much all through high school. And that was really my focus and my aim and my drive. And so I pursued that. With, do you play an instrument or singing? I did not play an instrument. Music? I was more into the performance okay. aspect, but I also wanted to do a lot of writing and producing. And so, okay. um, and, and then even move that over into media, television, movies, etc. And so I thought I wanted to do that for quite a while and I pursued it and sort of my, my backup, I thought would be broadcast journalism. I thought, you know, it'd be great to do the news as they say. <laughs> and so I pursued that even, even in school and being originally from Chicago, there was a school that was really strong in um, music production as well as journalism. And it's called Columbia, <laughs> not <laughs> Columbia like New York, but Columbia, Chicago. Okay. And so mm-hmm. I pursued that, and that was prior to me moving to to Texas. And so, long story short, I moved to Texas. I pretty much niched it down and pinpointed it down mostly to music, and so that was my pursuit. And ended up getting assigned to an independent um, record company that was ran by some people who at one point worked for Warner Brothers. And so it was myself and about three other artists, and they were going to take us, cultivate us, shop us around, and then we were going to, you know, go to the majors as it as it were. So I signed that record deal, and that was interesting. <laughs> and so I ended up actually becoming an employee of the same record company because money got tight. And so I right. was doing that living in an efficiency apartment and working there. And I had a lot of fits and starts as often happens in the music business. Almost make it, almost make it, almost make it, didn't make it. Almost make it, almost make it, almost make it, didn't make it. Mm -hmm. And so it was a lot of that. And so just the sort of mountain high, valley low tumult of that really began to wear on me. Fast forward, I turned 30 and I said, you know what? This is looking really crazy. I am pursuing music with reckless abandon. I am financially unfit, unstable, uh, inconsistent, and I'm 30. And I decided to forego school because I was almost this close. Almost make it, almost make it, almost make it. Didn't make it. And so, you know, after so many years of that, you kind of have a a come to Jesus moment, as they say. And it's like, all right, I've got to pivot here. You know, I'm getting older. And, you know, with an industry that's so driven by youth, I had to really take, you know, honest account of that, particularly when you're talking about, you know, um, contemporary and urban music. So mm-hmm. with that being said, the one of the persons that managed the label has some connections in the radio industry. And they said, you know what? You've got a great personality. You'd be a great salesperson. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who's a sales manager at CBS over all of their radio um, stations, their whole cluster, and I think you'd be great. And so made a phone call, got an interview, got the job. All of a sudden, I'm wearing shirts and ties every day, suits every day, which, by the way, I had next to none of that in my wardrobe. And so I am now in this 100% commission job, and this starts, this is sort of around 2008, so I think we all know what life was like uh, in 2008, economically speaking. And so with that being said, I worked there for a year. Meanwhile, Sway and I are engaged. Mm -hmm. The market goes soft. I'm now back in my draw, because when you work 100% commission, 
you sort of like have to work against a draw. Well, I was already three months behind and I really wasn't booking any clients. So I had to make a decision, either sell something or leave. Mm -hmm. And I left because it was very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. To sort of fast forward here, there was a bridge, an opportunity for me to go into the banking industry. And this came through a mutual friend of my wife and I. One day we're at a birthday party mm -hmm. for a mentee mm -hmm. of Sway's. And this, this mutual friend of ours who is high up in the banking industry was there because we sort of all kind of knew each other. And she said to me, she said, you know what, Otis, I think you'd be really good in banking. And I thought, me? <laughs> like, are you That's a big change. Yeah. <laughs> and so I thought, no, I, no, no, thank you. But I don't really see it. She's like, no, seriously. And so I said, okay, long story short, I got the interview got the job. And this is now 2009 or going into 2009. And I started off entry level, worked my way up, got my licenses, got into wealth management, got into business banking, and I am now off to the races. And I'm working with peers of mine at this point, colleagues who are many of them MBAs, and I'm learning the industry. And there was one uh, senior gentleman who came from Merrill Lynch way back in the day. And he sort of took me under his wing. And he's seen the economy go through all kinds of stuff from the 80s. And so he's sort of coaching me during work hours. And I'm learning a lot, winning, started winning awards. Fast forward, Sway and I get married a year into our marriage because the bank I worked for was based out of Spain. I won an award for us to go to Spain, and we're there now. Top producer. Top producer. Um, in for, the States. Out of, yeah, actually out of wow. all of it, which included Most Latin America, America, Europe, and the U.S. And so <laughs> all of a sudden, a person who wasn't a numbers guy becomes a numbers guy. And so it was mm -hmm. just very interesting. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. How do you, how do you explain that kind of unaware part of yourself that was just waiting for an opportunity. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I, I, I think when, when life sort of, um, especially as entrepreneurs, when, when life sort of puts us in a position where we are, you know, our back is against the wall, oftentimes opportunities present themselves that seem so uh, unthinkable, like for maybe our background experience or our skill set. And so saying yes gave me an opportunity to just jump in and learn. And when I jumped in, I was intense, by the way. I read every financial book you could possibly imagine. I talked to people who were in the financial industry, people who were senior to me, and I just spent a lot of time sponging and soaking up. And so when I left from the last bank I worked for, and I say left, but I actually was let go from the last bank I worked for. It was pretty sudden. Now, Texas is what they call an at-will state. So your first 90 days is probation. And they can let you go anytime within that 90-day period with pretty much no elaborate explanation. On my 90th day, right. I ended up getting let go for actually overperforming for doing too well. Without going into the what? whole story. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had to explain to you were, hey, you were, when you got recruited. Yeah, I was recruited. From the other bank. From one bank to go to another bank. And when I got recruited to go to this bank, they were sort of um, recruiting me for a year, courting me, should I say, for a year. And they called me and said, hey, we have an opportunity. We know where you live. Do you still live at this address based on what you, you know, shared with us last time? And, and I said, yeah. They said, we can shorten your drive from basically 45 minutes in the morning and two hours in the evening to 10 minutes one way. And I said, oh, wow. And so it was an opportunity for me to move up, to move in management. And banking is one of those business, one of those industries you kind of move around in. I get there. They interview me for a particular job, which actually ended up being my boss's job. I got hired before my boss. And then my boss got hired after me. And then the guy who hired my boss and me told my boss that he interviewed me for my boss's job, which put a target on my back. And so from wow. there, from there my focus was really to grow our business sector. So I worked a lot with hospitals, physicians, medical professionals, et cetera, and ended up getting this meeting with this very large hospital in North Texas. Come to find out, 
capital markets was courting them. And I won't go into all this because this gets a little boring. But bottom line mm-hmm. is, I got the I got the interview or, or, or got the meeting. I was that told they were wanting. that they were wanting for over a year. And I was told to cease and desist. Wow. And then all of a sudden, the pat's on the back, like, you're doing great. The next Monday, I was told that was going to be my last day. Mm-hmm. And that thrusted wow. me into entrepreneurship. Okay. As a, into what I do now, which is really consulting for real estate and debt restructure. All right. So you took what you do well and you said, I'll go do this on my own. Yeah. Awesome. So fast forward to currently you guys do Marriedpreneur Life. Yes. Marriedpreneur. Yes. Marriedpreneur Life. You have a website. Yes. And a wonderful Instagram account. Tell us how you came about launching this topic. Well, um, I would say when we, when he left the bank and he started his own company and I was already running my business at the staffing firm, as well as the consultancy, I did start another business after that. Cause a lot of the people I was staffing, they would end up needing they, they needed to start their own business. And I just ended up helping them do that. So that's how the consultancy started. Oh, okay. So my, some of my clients and some of his clients would actually come to us individually and ask us if we would help them and their spouses once they realized that they were needing help. And we we're like, we don't do that. I don't even know what, you, what you're looking for. But <laughs> one in particular, one friend, a couple, they were very persistent. And just like for a good year, they would ask. And we're like, yeah, no, no, no. Finally, we said, well, maybe, maybe we're on to something. Maybe maybe we're overlooking something because they would, people would just keep asking us for, for insight and for skills with, with, with working together with the spouse, but not only that, but just really putting systems together and building a, you know, a a legacy, a family legacy, a business legacy um, together. And so we were just working on our own systems for our own selves because after he came home from the bank, I said, well, we need to have something in place. So we have, you know, accountability. And so I just started creating different types of ways for us to do that. So I wouldn't feel like, and he wouldn't feel like either that I was that nagging wife. And so I thought it was just for (laughs) us, you know, I thought, okay, the systems that we're putting in place is just for us, not realizing that was really for others um, to give those to others. I didn't know other people would need that. So that's how we started working with couples, we just told that initial couple that we would only do work with them and that's it. And we did a VIP day and walked them through a whole strategy for the year and all the different ideas that they were working on. And they had two young children at the time and they were homeschooling. And then the wife is a CPA and the husband is a church planner. And so it was just a lot of different things going on and they just needed systems. They needed strategy and they were low on energy and they needed clarity. So we work with them and that was that and they were you know so appreciative and they started telling their friends and so here we are today about what eight ish nine years later and um we actually have put you know the the systems and packaged them so now we can do it in a, in a more official and a thorough way <laughs> to help other married entrepreneurs yeah gotcha i was listening to one of your podcasts i don't remember how far back it goes but I think y'all were at a conference and had there was a panel of other married entrepreneurs and you had wanted to be guests maybe I'm not sure if I'm getting this story straight or not but there was a couple I think maybe when you asked about being on the panel you were turned away because the couple that had done it the year before had since gotten divorced. Does oh, that sound familiar? Yes. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. We were yeah. in North Carolina. And I, <laughs> and I was like, you need to have a um, yeah, panel for married entrepreneurs. This is a business conference. And they did have a panel, but no one was married. Like they were, they were divorced. They were talking about how they work as partners, like just as business partners versus like married entrepreneurs um another couple was like married i think they were they were engaged another Mm -hmm. couple um they were celebrities too so that you know i understand that why they did that but Mm -hmm. yeah that was just insightful (laughs) to say the least yeah yeah i'm so grateful for the work that you guys do because i just I, i think we hear too much in society or in the business world that you, you have to sacrifice everything yeah, yeah. to have a successful business. And you guys are perfect examples oh, well, you. And of, you know, of 
you can have a wonderful marriage and a very successful business, mm-hmm. and it's not one or the other. Mm-hmm. I would love to hear about, as you've worked with different couples, what are some common challenges that couples, whether one or both, are entrepreneurs? And I, I get asked a lot of times, what is an entrepreneur couple? Well, if one person is an entrepreneur, family. the whole family is, yeah, right? right. <laughs> so right. it's either one or both. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to say, and, and, and sweetheart, please go ahead. But um, if if one of them is, is an entrepreneur, what we mean by that is the family is impacted mm-hmm. in a direct way by that entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And so we've coined um, three types of marriedpreneurs, we'd like to call mm-hmm. them. And so there's a spousalpreneur where one spouse is working a nine to five while the other is operating the business. And there's an indiepreneur where they are building uh, individual separate businesses. And then the couplepreneurs where they're building a business together. And we have found that there are couples who are either in one of those types, but they're wanting to transition or they are in multiple of those types and they're still wanting to transition to either doing it full time or just working to get like getting their momentum going. So I would say that's one of the things, one of the main areas um, couples come to us about is just that transition, like how to up level, how to gain momentum, how to gain traction, what type of systems do they need to have in place? What do they need to be doing? They have this big vision in their heart and they're not really sure what to do with it. They're just like, we, we just l- want to do this, but we keep saying one day, one day, one day, but what do we need to do today to actually get to that one day? So I would say that's one of the, the common denominators for the couples who approach us or ask for for our help, would you say? Yeah, yeah. I would just add to that, you know, so in those sort of classifications or in those categories, and I'll just mention one as an example. If they are indiepreneurs where you know, um, one is running a business and the other one is running a separate business, they may well-meaning want to, you know, support each other and be there for each other. But one of the one of the challenges that we found is that it gets to be very difficult because mm-hmm. they end up operating like roommates. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we get down at the dinner table. It's like, oh, so what happened with your company? Today? Oh, what happened with your company today? Mm-hmm. Even if they're, if, if they get to get to the dinner table. And so what happens is they end up operating like roommates and sort of like splitting the bills Mm -hmm. or one person's business is sort of generating more revenue than the other person's business. And so they might be at different levels within business. Mm -hmm. And so those are some of the common challenges, particularly for that group. And there's a challenge for each of them. But that one in particular Mm -hmm. um, is definitely one one that is common. And so systematically, we found ways because we are that, by the way, among uh, we've been all three of those classifications, by the way. And so we've learned <laughs> yeah. these challenges, mm-hmm. observed them in those couples that we've worked with, mm-hmm. but also systematically how to overcome them. So what's been one of the biggest challenges that you guys have faced as marriedpreneurs, copreneurs? That's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> My mind goes to one in particular. I remember when we were spousalpreneurs, where I was actually still working at the bank and Sway was really scaling her business. Mm -hmm. And she was on webinars in our home office all night long. Mm -hmm. And I had, you know, dealt with what I dealt with on the nine to five and having these sales goals and so forth. And when I came home, I just sort of wanted to, to veg out. And so what happened was, you know, I'd be cooking dinner a lot of the nights or spending time reading in the room or what have you. And she would be in the office on the webinars and doing all the training and learning and so forth. And, and I wanted her to do those things. I, I, I didn't want her to not do those things, but I just didn't mm-hmm. realize how as spousalpreneurs where one is running the business, it would actually put a strain mm-hmm. on our marriage. And I didn't really know how I fit into that world mm. with her. So I didn't even know how to support her. So it just kind of kind of isolated us. And that and that went on for a period of time until we recognized it and, and, and called attention to it. Mm-hmm. How did you guys end up negotiating that? I think it was a reestablishment of what's the priority. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was an overnight thing. No, it wasn't. We, we like, didn't arrive at that suddenly. <laughs> yeah, I think it was, um, you know, talking through that and, 
And at that same time, though, I think I was also transitioning in business and I was starting to your whole business model test the previous business model. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that frustration, that rub that you had as well, just the friction of everything. We just had to have a a talk, you know, and work through like what what are we building? You know, what what are we really building? And we were brand new, like maybe two years into the marriage. I mean, that's going on. Because then we bought our first house. We had our house built by that time, by our second year in marriage. It was a lot of new changes and just trying to get a lot of new stuff. Um, And although we had known each other for so long, I was living in New York and then coming to Dallas after all that time, just kind of getting reacclimated. And it was just a lot, a lot of new stuff. So we knew each other, but we didn't know each other in this context. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And then just doing life together, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and then me getting back into business really in that way because while I was away dancing I wasn't do- I was still at the business but I wasn't like in the day-to-day as much because I hired people out to do that um so I had the business based in Dallas while I was you know in New York working or training and dance and so yeah it was just a lot of new stuff and so all of that had to come to uh, like to the table we had to just bring it all to the table. okay this is what's working this is what's not working and and work and work through that and say okay based off of you know the decision that we made to be married, like, what are we wanting to build? What do we want this to look like? And it's, I'm like, this is not looking like what I want it to look like. So we need to change some things. So first we had to get clear about what we really wanted it to look like versus just saying what we didn't want. Yeah, I, I think to sort of find the priority, you have to sort of sort the laundry. Mm-hmm. And we had to just put everything out and just sort it. Okay, what are mm-hmm. we working with? What's here? What's mm-hmm. really important? Yeah, and just work, work through that for sure. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Have you guys had a mentor at any point for your marriage, a marriage coach or a counselor oh, or yeah. pastor? Big proponents of marriage counseling. We started marriage counseling before we were even engaged. Yep. So we knew we were going to, like, that was a role that we were going down. So before we were even officially engaged, we were trying to get a, we were trying to get a head start. Like, Listen, we don't a want head, head start. We don't <laughs> want that kind of drama. So we just wanted to get around as many things as possible. And then once we got engaged, of course, we went through another formal counseling. counseling. Mm -hmm. Um, And then our counselor did a recommendation after she finished our premarital. Um, She said that we needed to, for her recommendation for us to get married, was that we would do, uh, what do you call it? Maintenance. Maintenance counseling. So we had to do that for at least a year after we got married as a recommendation to... Our, we did pastor. it for a couple of years. I mean, we would yeah, still we do it. We just moved. And so we don't, I mean, we were proponents of it. We would do that. So we, so we, probably find we, were, we were getting tune-ups yeah. um, long after. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes. Well, we did that with our cars, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Why would we not do it with our relationship? And yet I, I have found my background's a marriage and family therapist that mm. so many wait until it is dead on arrival. Like mm-hmm. the engine has blown up. They've been driving it without oil for 100,000 miles. And then they want to know why their car doesn't run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so I love that. And yet another example of the wisdom you guys have. It's awesome. Oh, thank you. You know, last summer, another post I saw that touched me deeply, uh, Sway, was after the news of George Floyd's death and mm-hmm. this, it just ignited this long simmering. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been simmering a long time, I think, in our country to just wake up to how mm-hmm. people of color did differently. And you, you did a couple of posts that were so lovely mm-hmm. about just talking about how this was impacting OL mm-hmm. and how, you were supporting him. And going back to my days of marriage therapy training, mm-hmm. I could sum it all up in a phrase. And that is if a couple can have empathy for each mm-hmm. other, mm-hmm. there is nothing to figure out. And mm-hmm. your were just a beautiful example of that. And I would like to hear from you guys what it was like to give and to receive that empathy. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Wow. (laughs) I think it was very comforting to me for my wife to pursue understanding 
as to how I could potentially be feeling, what those nuances might be, and really listen. Uh, listen in the sense of help me understand what I, what I call the HMU. Help me understand. And so doing that in one sense was very comforting for me. It was very, uh, it was just a really great feeling that I think in some ways confirmed our bond, but also I think it affirmed our bond and even explained mm-hmm. it in some ways. Hmm. So, yeah, that's the short answer, I think, Hmm. for me. Yeah, I think um, for me, I never thought to ask. I mean, I would always hear stories about, you know, we have slightly different upbringings um, as far as just experiences as. And exposures. Exposures, (laughs) yeah, growing up. So I would, I don't think, I think this our whole time knowing each other, I never really put myself in his shoes for like he would tell me stories about growing up and in school and just trying to like fight each day literally like having fights I'm like oh I've never been in a fight like you know like what what is that like you know just like that's kind of traumatic as a kid you know like how how are you you know all these years later but then also thinking about him as I just think of him as as my husband but not thinking that he I just didn't know like where where he was emotionally, like how are you feeling as a man and then as a black man? Like, do you feel different? Like, I don't know. I'm not in your shoes and I don't. And I saw I just, you know, wanted to know, you know, without him trying to put on an air of, oh, I'm good. You know, I don't I, I, I didn't I just wanted to know and I wanted him to know that I was asking about him, you know, and not just as my husband, but as a person. And so. For me, it was just really about, you know, digging and realizing how much I needed to dig, (laughs) you know, just to get him to get past those layers of whatever of expectations, responsibilities and, you know, previous conversations, how he's always, you know, responded. So I think it was just really a nice, it was a good heart to heart, you know, just to see like, how, how are you doing? How is your heart? What is, are you impacted at all? Or do you feel any different? Or have you ever experience this at all or what you know what are your stories and so I don't think we've ever we have talked about it because I know things happen um but not like this you know what I mean in the past it's been like oh you dealt with that okay all right you know um but not in this situation well how did it make you feel you know how are you doing emotionally Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to share that I guess I forgot that I even shared it publicly you know but I wanted to to share um, because others may have been dealing with that and maybe had not thought about it at all. So, yeah, well, it was very powerful when I watched it and it sounds like just sometimes just creating space for people and letting them know that Mm -hmm. whatever you're okay, but you can, you can let your guard down. You can take the mask off. I'm a safe person with, and I, I thought it was a beautiful demonstration of, of empathy that probably deepened your mm-hmm. relationship a little bit. And that's how marriage long-term goes, right? Mm-hmm. We keep peeling off. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you for bringing it up. Yeah. I have a couple more questions. When you're, if you were talking with a couple, say a young couple behind you, younger, y'all are still young, but younger couple who's thinking about one or both being entrepreneurs, what is some advice you would give them to think about as they consider this, this approach? Yeah, I think at first, what I would say is to really have a marriage focused definition of success. Mm, I like rather than letting what may seem common or pervasive or normative even as to the success or what success is and even how success quote unquote may even be pursued. Mm -hmm. I would say have a a value driven Mm -hmm. centered focused definition of success 
that you two set that is not, especially, and I'm speaking as a believer, especially, um, that is not dictated from the outside. Mm-hmm. Because the moment I, we as a married couple, I would say this to them, begin pursuing whatever the dictated definition of success is, mm-hmm. then our values and our priorities will really be in the background. And that's how it's really easy to get the, the tail wagging the dog. Mm-hmm. That's good. I would say something. I'm probably around, around those same, along those same lines, is like the practical part of marriage. I mean, something that we were told before we got married, and I would definitely share this piece of wisdom with this couple would be to protect your date nights, right? So keep dating because mm-hmm. ultimately, what that does is it does the same thing you were just talking about: is nurturing the marriage, making sure you have time for the marriage, like you create that time um, and make it a priority that actually speaks. It does things that um, it actually puts things in order without even having to to say certain things like or saying, well, no, my marriage isn't on the back burner or no, I'm not putting everything or everyone else first. It's like once you do this and you do this on a regular basis and you make it like a staple in your marriage, it actually sets the precedence for everything and everyone else, right? Like this is when we have our date nights or our date days or lunches or whatever it may be, everything else has to fall in order around that. You know, maybe kind of messy over there, but this right here, this is our space. So I would definitely say that concerning marriage. And then when it comes to the business piece of that, really it ties in though too, is just making sure that there are very, you know, clear boundaries, systems in place. I would definitely recommend that they get plugged into a community, a marriage community, as well as a business community. Mm-hmm. So, you know, both, and that's the reason why we even started Married Life, because <laughs> we didn't have a community with both of them. You know, we would go to marriage, yeah, go to marriage counseling to get help, but it wouldn't impact the business. It wouldn't teach us how to do business. And then business, they would, you know, say, throw everything to the business and then your marriage will be there after. We're like, that's not healthy either. So, <laughs> you know, we would recommend that they, you know, get plugged in. I would say get plugged into marriage in your life, really. So, or they can just do both ways yeah. at the marriage community and then the business community because both of those together, it will really help accelerate where they're going at the same time protecting what's most important. Okay. So good, you guys. This mm-hmm. is wonderful. And if people want more information about your program and what you offer, what's the best way for them to reach you? Oh, sure. I'm married preneurlife.com. That's a great place to start. We have some great resources there, everything from the podcast, which is like a weekly workshop in and of itself, how we have it set mm-hmm. up now, um, to we have some uh, training downloads from American Newer Checklist, the free download there. We have um, an assessment um, call for American Newers to set that up. That's an option too. We have American Newer Map, uh, marketing map, like there's Lots of good stuff right there at marriedpreneurlife.com. Perfect. And I will spell that out and put it in the show notes. Anything else at all that's on your heart today before we go? I want to give you a chance to say any final words. Pressure, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I would just reiterate what I said a few moments ago. And that would be, you know, sit down define success for your family and don't let that be defined by the definition or by the, by the values of others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I echo that. That's real. Just be very clear about the core um, and everything else will, will find its way to where it needs to be. But as long as you are protecting that marriage and making sure that's priority as you're building. And then, you know, there's a saying that, you know, to, to balance, like you're to balance marriage and business or just life, but, I don't really espouse to that belief of balance when it comes to life because it's more like a juggling act <laughs> at times. Um, and sometimes we we drop some balls and, you know, you pick them up and sometimes things slip to the cracks, cracks, but it just depends on the season that you're in. I think it's important to be very, be aware of the season that you're in. Um, some seasons, the marriage is extremely strong and solid and you can afford to 
go in a little bit, you know, harder when it comes to the business. And that's fine as long as you all have that arrangement, that agreement. Um, but there are other seasons when you need to go all in on your marriage, you know, and the business is going to have to do what it's going to have to do. You know, you have, uh, hopefully that's the reason that we also are very big proponents of having systems in place. So it could, it can, it can be most efficient. And so I think it's important to realize pursuing this like perfect balance of life with marriage and business. I think that's like a false place. It doesn't really exist when you really think about it. And so just being, being present where you are now is, is most important being present in what you're to be focused in on now is most important and making sure that regardless of what that season is, that you two are on the same page, regardless Hmm. and work to get there. Love that. Work to get there. (laughs) We, we do a lot of work, but there's a lot of fun in the process and you guys are certainly models of that. And by all means, follow Mm -hmm. them on Instagram, Marriedpreneur Life. So I want to thank you guys so much for your time today. It is wonderful to see you and I wish you all the best and I'm going to keep following you. Thank you so much for having us. It's been our pleasure. Thanks so much for listening and coming along on this journey with us. If you enjoyed this episode, I'll bet you know someone else that might also find it helpful. Sharing an episode is super easy. You can also give a rating or leave a useful comment. And all of these things help the show rankings, which then helps others find the show. Thank you in advance for being an action taker. You can find a full transcript at kathyrushing.com. And if you have a burning question or a comment you'd like to leave, you can now leave me a voicemail and I'll include it in a future episode. Just click the link in the show notes and voila, your voice will show up in my inbox. You're building a life together. Make it a great one. See you next time.